You are listening to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download from thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Siren Sounder Podcast, episode 46. 7. 47. I got it. I got it. I always forget, but, you know, in the end, I always remember. And in the very end, it doesn't matter what episode it is, because this one's here. And who cares what number it is? It's in front of you. Uh, so thank you for listening. If you're listening, a um, lot of games to go through. Um, Thursday... Uh, Saturday Sunday schedule has I guess become the norm for the Hurricanes here in the month of March uh, which is you know hit or miss I guess I think it's a little bit unfortunate uh, with their goaltending situation that you know if they have to trust now two guys to be really good for them um, instead of being able to lean more on one and you know needing a a good game every week or so from the other but uh, it seems like both guys are gonna have to play a lot because there's gonna be a lot of back-to-backs so so today, uh, I'm going to go through all those games. We got the Flyers game, uh, which I'm sure most of you have at least tried to forget by now, which is all good. <laughs> um, then we've got the New York Islanders game that happened on Saturday, and that Pittsburgh Penguins game that happened on Sunday. And uh, yeah, let's get right to it, shall we? Um, Philadelphia Flyers, I guess... Uh, we have to start there, right? Not the best game ever, but uh, I mean, when you look at what Philadelphia's been doing, I don't think it's necessarily super surprising that they came out on top in that game um, because, I mean, look, they're a really good team, and they've now won nine straight at the time of this uh, episode coming out, and... That's not easy to do. So any team that accomplishes that uh, is really has really got it together. Um, and at the time of recording this, they are dead on tied with Washington uh, in points for first place in the Metro with 89. Uh, they are both 41-20-7, which is phenomenal. Um, and the only tiebreaker the Caps have over the Flyers is one more regulation and overtime win. Uh, Therefore, one less shootout win. So, uh, you know, those wins count a little bit more. But wow, look at what the Flyers have been doing. But anyway, this isn't a Flyers podcast. This is the Hurricanes podcast. So, um, breaking down the Hurricanes performance in that game, um, I mean, it was a... The first period was kind of boring, honestly. Uh, But sometimes that's good because it tends to mean you're playing with some level of structure. Because, you know, it's not always super fun to watch teams shut each other down in the neutral zone and uh, prevent each other from generating a whole lot of high-danger chances. Like, that's that's the entertainment part of the game. We want to see the high-danger chances and, and um, you know, speedy game back and forth, trading chances at either end. That's what's entertaining to watch. But, uh, 
you don't want to do that if you're a team. Like you don't want to be you want to be generating that, but you don't want to be giving it up. Um, but the other teams right there trying to do the same thing. So um, you know sometimes you get you get a a grind fest, and I thought that's what we had in the first period. Uh, at the time of that game, the Flyers were also on the second end of a back to back. So you know that always has an impact as well. Teams are more likely to uh, try to play, you know, a, a grittier dump and chase game when they're on, uh, you know, just played the night before. Uh, so, you know, all in all, I was I was okay with that first period. It was kind of blah, but I felt like the Hurricanes played pretty well throughout the neutral zone in their defensive end and kind of limited chances, which is, you, I mean, that hadn't been happening, right? That's kind of what the whole losing streak was about. Um, was giving up way too many chances. And then they get a break at the end there um, on a bit of a breakdown. But what it was was a, a shot that should have been swallowed by Nedeljkovic um, and, you know, drops back out in front of him and nobody's there to clean up the rebound uh, because what's going on? Like, <laughs> there's a turnover. It was a turnover from the boards. I believe it was Ajo. Uh, Edmondson's, like, kind of in the slot, but, like, just kind of giving Ned the puck. Like, he's treating it like a two-on-one, but with zero regard for the puck carrier, uh, which, you know, at a certain point, you have to kind of care about that guy. And uh, I don't remember who scored that goal, but essentially it was a shot right into the chest of Ned. He's got to be able to swallow that one. Uh, He's not able to, and then where's his defense to clear it out? They get a second crack at it, and uh, it's not often you're going to, stop a guy on his own rebound when nobody's around to do anything about it. So that that one goes in, uh, and, you know, that, that really, it feels like a blow when it seemed like you were going to get out of a first period with a team that's been performing really well um, and kind of has their stuff together, and you are struggling to find anything. And, oh, by the way, haven't scored the first goal in, like, a millennium, <laughs> and... You're giving up the first goal right at the end of a period that otherwise was pretty good. It was Ivan Provorov, by the way. Uh, His 13th of the season, uh, very good offensive defenseman he is. So that's how that first period kind of ends. Fast forward to the second period and, uh, you know, not a whole lot. The the Canes are just still struggling to generate some offense. And uh, it just was, was kind of a blah period from them. And the Flyers get on the board again to make it 2 nothing about midway through. Um, and now it's 2 nothing, And it's not looking great, but we've been here before, right? We know, we, we know the possibility of coming back in this situation, uh, and whether or not we want to be in it, we know that it's possible to get out of it and still get a win or at least a point out of the game. So I feel like that's what you're hoping for at that point of the game. Uh, we get into the third period, and within the first three minutes, Justin Williams' hero who is now at this point in time of recording this on, I believe, a four-goal or a four-game goal streak, uh, which is great to see. You love that out of your uh, captain from last year, late addition to the roster. See him kind of putting it together and having some success on his line, and it's great. And that line was really good. That line was the best, the Hurricanes' best, for sure. Jordan Stahl, Brock McGinn, and Justin Williams. But the the problem with that is if Jordan Stahl... Brock McGinn and Justin Williams are your best players on the ice or your best line. That's you can't have that. I mean, it, it 
those guys are great. I love all those guys. But when you have a roster that the Hurricanes have, that line can't afford to be your best line against what is probably the best team in the Metro right now. So, and one of the best teams in the league right now. I mean, Philly, they've won nine straight now. <laughs> so, it's not a fluke. I mean, they, they have their stuff together. But uh, anyway, great performance from that line in that game. Justin Williams gets the goal. And then we go uh, a minute past that. And it was another breakdown that leads to an easy goal for the Flyers. And then I think it was less than a minute later. It was like 30 seconds later. Uh, they put another one in to make it 4-1. And then it just kind of, you know. The Hurricanes never never got back from that. The Flyers are a good defensive team. They play with a lot of structure. Uh, they remind me of a more skilled Columbus. Um, and, you know, Carter Hart was good. He wasn't really asked to do a ton, but I thought he was good. Um, Nadelkovic in that game was so-so. I mean, I didn't think it was anything special. I thought he... So let me correct that. He, he made some very, very good saves. Um, and for stretches was extremely impressive, but... Uh, his rebound control to me really suffered in that one. Um, you know, you never want to. I'll get into this later because it's it's a thing and it's it's very divisive. Hurricanes fans are so weird about goalies, like one way or the other. They're so weird. It's so hard to just rationally judge a goaltender's performance and and not be emotional about it. But I don't I don't know why people can't separate the two. But um, you know, Ned on that first goal. Bad position he's put in. He, you shouldn't be faced with a guy coming down on you and, um, you know, no defensive support. You shouldn't be put in that position. Obviously. Of course. We can all agree on that. But we can also agree on the fact that if you're going to be an NHL-level goalie, if a guy from outside the slot puts, or in, anywhere, puts his shot right into your chest, you have to hang on to that. Like, that is your, okay, they got this chance. It's all down to you. Bail us out. Easy opportunity to bail the team out. Can't do it. Leads to the rebound goal. Um, so, you know, it's 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 not Ned's fault. That that should have never happened, but that's kind of the point of a goalie, right? <laughs> teams, teams should never be getting chances against you. That's your main goal. But is it reasonable to expect a, a zero scoring chance against game? Does that ever happen? No. So... Your goalie has to come up with some saves if you're going to have a chance to stay in it, especially when a team is playing really well um, and is your equal or better than you at the time. That uh, that third goal, too, which I don't even want to bring back to my memory because, uh, I mean, I just sat there and, like, you know, slumped to the floor and was just like, I can't believe that just happened, and that's probably how we're going to lose this game now. And it's really upsetting. And what I'm talking about is when Brady Shea had the puck behind the net for, I don't know, six or seven years, and instead of making any sort of play with it, goes to play the puck, completely whiffs on it, (laughs) leaves it right out in front of the slot, and then it looks like, okay, I mean, that was bad, and they got a chance, but now the puck's all the way by the goal line, and it seems like we might actually be able to get out of this, and Nadelkovic uh, lets one in between him and the post, which kind of fundamental like you gotta hug the post in that scenario again a situation he he should never have been put in it was very ridiculous um you know all these goals came from some level of defensive breakdown uh but at at a certain point you 
you're going to make mistakes, and it's, to me, reasonable to expect your goalie to bail you out when one shot is in his chest and the other one is from an extremely sharp angle where he's, I mean, kind of in position. He just doesn't hug the post. And to me, that's such a fundamental thing that I was kind of blown away with the fact that that puck went in. But, Shay, you can't <laughs> you can't go to pass the puck and miss. I mean, that's the equivalent of, like, going to tee off in golf and, you know, swinging with your driver and barely tapping the ball, and it just rolls off the tee but counts as a stroke. That's what he just did, and it was ridiculous. But, you know, all in all, it's definitely not Nadelkovich's fault in any way, shape, or form. I don't think anyone I don't think anyone had that thought. Also, you scored one goal. It's never going to be your goalie's fault when you score one goal because uh, you, you usually need at least two to even have a chance at thinking of winning. Um, so Hurricanes offense did nothing. There was nothing nothing going. Again, the Stalm again Williams line was the best line, um, and we'll talk about that line going forward because it's been really good, but can't be your best, you know? It just can't. It's it's not going to lead to success against uh, really good teams. And right now the Flyers are a really good team. So defensive breakdowns were the name of the game in that one and just getting outworked by an opponent that right now is just better. Uh, so I don't think there's a whole lot of shame in losing to Philadelphia right now. I mean, they are just clicking on all cylinders and you're missing two of your best defensemen and <laughs> both of your starting goalies. Like, I mean, if you really think about that one it's kind of crazy to like not see a loss coming unless Philly just really doesn't play well and they did play well so um you know I kind of took that loss with a grain of salt it sucked and everybody seemed to start slipping into the oh absolute hope is gone but when you look at it after the game it was like the team's in the same position as they were before um we just like to I don't know. I don't know what we like to do. We're we're kind of irrational sports fans. All of us are. <laughs> so you just kind of have to like let it sit for a day or two. Um, and Saturday's game became even more important. Jumping into Saturday's game against the Islanders, um, that was a game I thought the Hurricanes played pretty solid defensively. Um, you know, it was not ultra exciting, but, you know, they they were able to get some chances and they were able to hold the Islanders at bay for the most part. I mean, the Islanders aren't the most offensively talented team in the world, so it wasn't necessarily the tallest of tasks to uh, try to shut them down. But what do you know? You score first, and the chances of winning just go so much higher. And Justin Williams is able to provide that tip out in front, Hayden Fleury with the shot, which was an absolute rocket. Um, And I don't think it needed a tip to go in, but Williams tipped it anyway. And, you know, how good, how good of both those, that line, Williams line and Hayden Fleury has been so good recently, um, top four defenseman quality. And, and you need that, you needed a guy like that to step up and that's what he's doing. And you love to see it. Um, fast forward to the second period, the Islanders battle back, they get a Ryan Pollock goal, um, and we're tied. And then in the third period, Joel Edmondson, who, you know, Man, you can't miss many more open nets than he did against the Flyers. Uh, And, you know, it was obviously on his mind. He gets another chance to put one in an open net, and he doesn't mess it up. He gets his seventh of the season. Um, I've liked his offensive output here recently. That goal against Montreal was a great one, too. 
Uh, and then the Hurricanes with under five minutes. You know how this story goes. A goal uh, to tie the game and send it to overtime. Uh, but I don't know. I f- you, it, this game felt so even that you kind of saw that coming. Like the Islanders were going to find a way to claw back. And at the end of the day, they might be struggling, but they're still a good team. And they play a really smart system. And uh, just it's it's a tough team to play against. So uh, that goal goes in. It's 2-2. We're going to overtime. You gave them a point. But hey, um, you you want the two more than anything. Stay in the fight. I know this is a team you're chasing. You don't want it to go to overtime. But if it does, you got to get that second one. Excuse me. So we go to overtime. Uh, Hurricanes get a power play. Four on three opportunity. And the play that blew up the ref world <laughs> um, was a shot from the point, goes off someone, uh, goes to, gets to Svechnikov, he bats it out of midair, hits the crossbar, comes across to Vinny Trocek, who banks it in off of Mayfield and into the goal for the win. Um, and then obviously that lengthy review and look, when I saw that, uh, my first reaction was, that's a high stick. Uh, and I thought this one was getting called back, but it's so tough. You know, all, all our cameras are from above, and it's just impossible to really say definitively whether the stick is a few inches above, below, or at the shoulders. I mean, it's just it's it's just too hard, so you kind of have to go with the call on the ice. I'm not saying it was the right call, you know, uh, but I don't I I don't think it was definitive proof. You know, it was it was. Some angles look like it was for sure yes. Some angles look like it was for sure no. And at the end of the day, like you can't be unsure and change the call. So I thought that they did that part right. You know, whether they get the call 100% right, who knows? We don't really have the ability to get all those calls 100% right. They're so close and you kind of just have to go with the call in the ice. What did amaze me about this situation is how many people I learned didn't know the batted down with a high stick rule. <laughs> and that is that, you know, everyone hears about the crossbar. Oh, you know, they review it for high sticks got to be under the crossbar. That's how it's worked for um, pucks going directly off a player stick and into the net. has to be below the crossbar. Um, that's That's always been the rule with that, and that's what they're looking for there. That only applies, that rule does, when it goes in the net. Um, any other play when the... Uh, puck is, you know, kind of batted out of the air with the stick. The rule is if it's above the shoulders, it's high. Your team can't be the next team to touch it. If you do touch it, it's dead. Uh, if the other team touches it, play goes on. And so this was above the shoulders rule here. Uh, and I saw a lot of people like, oh, yeah, you know, they changed it to where this is what the rule is. Like, no, that's this is, this is it. <laughs> Crossbars for a shot or a deflection, or, or what goes in the net above the shoulders is batted down with a high stick, which is just a rule all throughout the game. Which, honestly, you've heard me talk about it before. Stupid, stupid enforcement of that rule. Um, because if that happened during the game, or a neutral ice, or something not this serious, uh, the refs would have blown it dead. Because if a guy bats down a puck like at his waist level, they blow it dead for high stick. And it's like, hmm, waist, shoulder, there's like that whole torso region of difference in between the two, I don't quite know why we're blowing that one dead. Um, but the rule means nothing most of the game. And then, you know, here they have to call it tight. Just like a tough call to make. The shoulders are 
kind of an arbitrary point to pick. Um, and, you know, it's different on everyone. And guys are bending down and, and back up, and it's like their shoulder height. It's not meant to be, like, where their shoulders are. Obviously, if you were, like, falling down and basically on the ice, but you tap the puck, you know, a foot in the air, it's not batted down with a high stick just because your shoulders are technically at the time below it. Um, it's, like, normal shoulder height for that player. So it's kind of a weird rule. And, again, they don't enforce it correctly ever, ever. Um, so, you know, I guess don't be too upset if, if you think that one went against you if you're an Islanders fan because they never get it right. Don't expect them to get it right here. It's unfortunate that uh, it came, they had to review it in such a important area of the game, but, uh, you know, they never get those right, ever. I mean, guys, it's ridiculous. Guys, at the logo of, you know, the logo on their chest is where they bat the puck down and they blow it for a high stick, and it's just like... Nowhere near the guy's shoulders. Nowhere near. Most of these guys are over six feet tall. Uh, if he's putting his stick up by his shoulders, it's it's obvious. <laughs> you know, it's pretty obvious. So it's just a weird rule. But super excited to get that win. Uh, great for Vincent Trocek. Get his first goal as a Carolina Hurricane, his 11th of the season. Um, Svechnikov and Ajo pick up the assists, which is great to see them continue to produce. Even... Uh, even if at times I think Svechnikov specifically has been, you know, not quite uh, doing what he has done at other parts this season when he's really been on, but he's still finding a way to put points up, which is important uh, and, you know, only goes a long way for a young player's confidence. So that's great. And now we jump to what was such a beautiful game, and that is the Hurricanes and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yesterday, if you're hearing this on Monday, Sunday afternoon game, the Hurricanes went up to Pittsburgh for the first time this season. Such a weird, 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 stupid schedule. Um, this this month's schedule that the Hurricanes have is like an NHL 20 auto-generated schedule, like five years into your franchise mode when you're like, what, why are we, who, what's going on here? And it's just like, ah, the computer just put it together. It's not, doesn't have to be realistic. That's like what the NHL did with, did with this March schedule for the Hurricanes. But uh, play the Penguins four times in a month. The entire season series knocked out in a matter of weeks, which is just very odd. Uh, And this was going to be a tough opponent. The Penguins have struggled, but, uh, you know, they've got Crosby back. They've got Dumoulin back. They've, they're, uh, they're getting healthy. They're, they're still missing Jake Gensel, obviously for the rest of the year, which is a big blow for them. But, uh, you know, it's the least they've been missing for quite some time. Uh, And that being said, they've been on a pretty big skid lately. I think they lost uh, five in a row and then were able to win their next two. Uh, but still, that's not up to their you know standard of playing what they've been doing, and uh, it's been a struggle for them. And they've they've dropped in the standings because of it. They're now in third place in the Metro, pretty safely so right now. Um, but you know nothing's really safe in the Metropolitan Division because I don't think we thought the Flyers were going to be a super serious contender for anything but a wild card spot in the playoffs. And now here they are, tied for first place in the division after a nine game win streak. So anything can happen. All these teams are talented and have the ability to. Uh, knock on the door to move up a spot. Um, this game started off, uh, I thought the, the Hurricanes dominated at the start. Fantastic start, uh, but don't get anything from it. And then what do you know, Pittsburgh scores the first goal, and <laughs> it's just, it's it's like, ugh, here we go. They scored the first goal again. Like, aren't we tired of this? And if we're speaking on this first goal, uh, it was kind of like a bad bounce, I guess, the Slavin batted the puck out of midair, legally, might I add, below the shoulders, and they didn't call it. Good call. But it doesn't matter because Pittsburgh touched the puck next. Anyway, 
and they got kind of a good break off of that. So what was like a good hand-eye play by Slavin to bat the puck down ends up kind of being a turnover and leading to, you know, a chance for Patrick Marlowe, who brings the puck in. And look, I know backhands are tough to read, but the reality of this is, you know, Patrick Marlowe isn't the player he used to be. He's still a very good player. Um, obviously, this is his 11th goal of the season. He can still put up points at this stage of his career. He's 40 years old. But if Patrick Marlowe's coming in outside the slot and floats a backhander your way, you got to have that. You have to have it. And Nedeljkovic was just drifting. I mean, that's what it was. He wasn't able to control his positioning laterally. And like Trip Tracy said, on those plays, when a guy's on his offside like that, you you kind of have to be a half step behind. Because when he lets the puck go, if you're where you should be, by the time the puck gets to you, you're going to continue moving. And you're going to be out of position now. And he just wasn't able to stop it because of that. If he was, you know, a, just a half stride behind... By the time the puck got to him, he would have been in perfect position, would have gone right into his chest or his, his gloves blocker, and he would have been able to make the save. So that was pretty disappointing to me. Uh, I was hoping for a a, a, a big bounce-back effort from Adelkovic after what I thought was kind of a, you know, good end, not good performance against the Flyers. I chalk it up to okay, uh, let in a few goals that I think he would definitely want to have back, and made some really good saves. And at the end of the day, it didn't really matter how well he played the Canes weren't winning that game against Philadelphia anyway. So you you hope for a really good game against Pittsburgh, and that first goal was kind of like a, oh, that sucks. Didn't want to see that, especially after I thought the Hurricanes had had a pretty good first period. Um, but we move forward in that period, um, and Morgan Geeky, making his NHL debut for the Hurricanes, gets his first NHL goal in the first period of his first NHL game, Great to see. Geeky is a guy who, I mean, I don't know. We'll, I'll get to my thoughts on Geeky after we get through this game because he had a big, uh, he had his fingerprints all over this one. Then the Penguins are able to get that five-on-three opportunity, which, you know, say what you will about the calls. You got you to gotta be able to kill it off. Jordan Stahl can't win the face-off, and from there I'm starting to think, uh-oh, Penguins five-on-three. Got a lot of talented guys out there. If we don't win this face-off, it's going to be tough. And Delkovich, you know, you got to love him. He's a smaller guy out there doing his best to fight through a screen with one with one of the best net front presence players in the league right now, if not the best, um, and just isn't able to see around it well. And the shot gets through and, and goes in, and there's not much he can do. Uh, that's kind of just what you have to deal with from a goalie who's, you know, slightly undersized. Peter Morazic has kind of the same issues. You see a lot of shots from distance beat him especially through traffic and uh it's just something you have to try to battle through you know it wasn't like ned wasn't trying to battle through it or didn't do enough it's just you know what are you gonna do it's a five on three your guys can't be there kind of enforcing the front of the net you got to kind of give it up to the other team and uh your goalie's got to do his best but you know hornquist is great at taking goalie's eyes away it's what he did it was a good shot placement and it goes in if guinea malkin his 23rd of the season so uh there you are it's 2-1 now and we go to the second period and looking for big things for the Hurricanes. And they give us two goals in a row. Jacob Slavin gets his sixth of the season. Morgan Geeky wins the faceoff back. Traffic in front. Slavin throws a shot to the net. It goes in. You know, wasn't like a rocket by any means, but you get traffic in front of the net, you throw it at the net. That's what happens. Sometimes it goes in. And then on the power play, it was Jake Gardner with 
Again, another great net front presence by Morgan Geeky. And Gardner just bombed one. I mean, it was a beauty. Uh, it was a really good shot. And uh, you love to see the traffic in front and the bomb from the point. It's a good combination for the power play. It's how pa- Pittsburgh scored their power play goal. It's how Carolina scored that Jake Gardner goal. Um, and now we are up. It's 3-2 and life is good. We head to the third period and it shifts slightly from the Morgan Geeky show to the Justin Williams show. And Justin Williams nets uh, back-to-back goals, both of them pretty much just by being right around the net. And, uh, you know, he's he's good at that. And he's now got goals in four straight, his sixth and seventh of the year. You love to see it from Justin Williams. He's picking off right where he le- picking up right where he left off last year, and the Hurricanes need it badly right now. Again, that line, fantastic tonight. It's been probably the Hurricanes' best line for a few games now, which you'll take it, you know, you love the great performance, but you'd love to see that Sveshnikov, Ajo, Teravainen line continue to be dominant. So you want to see them get back to that game if the Hurricanes are going to have great success going forward. Justin Williams picks up two in a row. It is now 5-2. to two. And it goes back from being the Justin Williams show to once again, the Morgan Geeky show. He battles hard out in front. Puck comes to the front of the net. Geeky wins a battle. Bombs one from right in front of the slot. Past Tristan Jari. Gets his second of the game. Three-point game for Morgan Geeky. That's all she wrote. 6-2 win. Nadelkovic was fantastic. After that first goal, I thought, um, really settled down. Made some great saves, some really important saves. You remember the glove save there? I think it was in the second period. Um, And, you know, that's what you asked for from that guy, and that's what he delivered. It was great. Let's talk about Morgan Geeky, um, because it looks like Zizingle suffered some sort of injury, probably in that fight um, against the Islanders. And Morgan Geeky, I mean, if you listen to, you know, I think it was in the offseason last year in the summer, especially after Charlotte won the Cup, uh, I talked a lot about Morgan Geeky and, and how I really looked at him as a bright part of this Hurricanes organization's future. Uh, he's really grown into his size. You know, he's he's physically mature for an NHL-level player. And I've seen him just get better and better throughout his career. When he played for the Tri-City Americans a few years ago, the year before he went pro with the Checkers, um, I mean, if you remember anything about hearing it, he, he was like, the CHL player of the month, just went on a crazy tear, tons of points in, in one month. Uh, and that's when I really started to take notice and remember like, this guy's a third round pick. Like, wow, he's doing really big things. Probably uh, would have been a much higher draft pick if the draft were the following year after that performance. Um, so you start to kind of pay attention to him, see him in training camp, and and I, 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 I liked him. I liked his, his skill. Uh, not the fastest skater ever, and I thought that's what kept him from immediately kind of being a more NHL-ready player because I thought his offensive skill set was there. And has an up-and-down start to his AHL career, and then as the season goes on, just gets you know so much more dangerous. And by the end of the season in the playoffs, he's a, he is a bona fide first-line center in the American Hockey League and, and putting up point-per-game numbers and was doing the same thing this year, and, and you love to see it from him and you know what what more can you ask for out of a guy in his NHL debut it was it was fantastic that being said um don't expect you know don't expect a uh you know five goals in the next 10 games for Morgan Geeky don't expect him to be a fixture in the offense for the rest of the year it might be a guy they mix in and out still gotta understand he's a young player 
He's learning the two-way game. You saw him take that penalty. Um, it was an effort-based penalty, but uh, he was just kind of caught out of position and, and got beat and took a penalty to kind of uh, alleviate the situation. And that's going to happen. Young players are going to do that. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be throwing the kid in a top-six situation. I love that he got power play time because he showed this ability to go to the net and kind of bring that Eric Halla from the beginning of the season type presence to the roster, and, and you'd love to see that night. I think that that's a huge benefit to the team, and you hope that he can kind of keep it up. Um, but, you know, he's going to have some growing pains, too, adjusting to the NHL game for as long as he's up. Uh, and he'll have to earn a spot, you know, for the rest of this year and going into next year, similar to, like, what Warren Fogle did. But I kind of see their trajectory similarly. Um, and Geeky's a right-handed center, and you love that. And if Geeky could come up and be a kind of Lucas Walmart, I hate, I, I hate even bringing up his name. It brings a tear to my eye. But if he can be kind of a Walmart uh, replacement going forward, um, and, you know, maybe that's what the organization had planned uh, when management made that trade, giving away uh, Lucas Walmart in his uh, restricted free agent year, you know, maybe that's what they're thinking long term, is, is a player like Geeky can come in and, and fill a similar role and put up similar production. Uh, he's got a long way to go defensively, I think. But the the uh, physical nature of his game, you know, he's a he's a big guy, and his ability to drive the front of the net and his 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 shot and his and his hands are good, and uh, you know, I could see him definitely being an everyday NHL player within the next year or two. Um, so it's exciting to see. You love to see a guy perform like that in his debut any day of the week. Uh, I love seeing that no matter who they play for. I think it's just really cool when these guys get to come up, live that situation. You know, their coach gives them a chance, like Rod Brendamore gave him a chance, and he didn't really have a choice because Geeky was so good early and gets his first goal in the first 10 minutes or so of the game. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do, keep him on the bench? No, he was out there in every situation. And uh, on his second goal, I saw Rod Brendamore smiling and, and laughing with the guys behind the bench. And it, <laughs> to get a reaction like that out of Rod during the game, it's like uh, it just shows you how much he cares about these guys and, it's just a really cool story. You know they're all really proud of him, and uh, I'm proud of him too. Great great to see Morgan Geeky do what he did today, and you hope he can continue to have games like that going forward because the Hurricanes could sure use it. Um, all right, well, wrapping up the recap there, let's, uh, let's go and look at the standings right now to kind of review where we're at. Where we're at. Disclaimer, uh, Columbus is currently in action as I record this against the Canucks. At the end of the second period, they are leading 1-0 with about two minutes left in the second. So um, we'll do this two ways. I'll read it as it is now, and then we'll assume Columbus wins and see how that changes things. Um, Metro Division, Washington, uh, first place, 89 points. Philly, second place, 89 points. Pittsburgh still in third, 84 points. Then you get to the wild card race. First wild card spot right now, Carolina Hurricanes. You'd love to see it. 37, 25, and 5, which is honestly a good record. And if you can, you know, have any sort of consistently good performance going forward, you shouldn't be in trouble. I mean, this is a team that should easily make the playoffs, you know, even dealing with the injuries. And if you can come together, play like they have in the last two games, they'll be fine. And uh, Peter Morazic, hopefully, will be coming back soon. And, you know, I don't think either of the goalies have been bad, uh, but you don't, you don't, get worse <laughs> from Peter. You definitely get better with Peter Morazic coming back. Um, and you hope that he can go on a run 
like he did in March last year and, and kind of carry you into the playoffs. He would love to see that. So great to see the Hurricanes occupying that spot. Um, and if we look at their tiebreakers here, 26 regulation wins, uh, which is two behind Pittsburgh, and they have two more than uh, the Islanders or the Blue Jackets, but the Rangers have 30 regulation wins. So uh, the Rangers have that tiebreaker over the Hurricanes. Um, and their goal differential is plus 26, which doesn't kick in for a while, but that's really far ahead of anyone else near them, tied with the Capitals, one up on the Penguins. Only team higher in the division is the Flyers with a plus 38, which is really impressive. The Islanders manning that second wild card spot right now, 67 games played, same as the Hurricanes, 79 points, but we know the Hurricanes have more regulation wins and have beaten the Islanders this year in the season series, so... Uh, you chalk all that up, and the Hurricanes have that spot. Columbus right behind that, 79 points. But as I said, they're winning right now. So if Columbus does win, they would have 81 points. They would jump back into that wild card one spot. The Hurricanes would man the wild card two spot, and the Islanders would drop into the third spot just outside the playoff line. Right behind that is the Rangers, 68 games played, one more than the Hurricanes, 76 points. The Hurricanes uh, starting to try to put a little bit of distance in between them and the Rangers. Same goes with the Panthers. They also have 76 points. I uh, don't think the Hurricanes are super concerned about those two teams, but uh, you never know. you you got to stay in front of them. So the Hurricanes just need to be consistently better than those other two teams, and they won't have any trouble. Uh, I think it's they're really battling Columbus and New York, and both those teams haven't been great. So the Metros finally started uh, falling off a cliff, and we needed it. Almost everyone is except Philadelphia. Uh, and then when you look down, look. Let me let me just run through this. This is the divisional standings. <sighs> New Jersey is now twenty eight, twenty eight and twelve, which is not a good record, but it's NHL five hundred, and they have sixty eight points, um, which is only eight points back of the Rangers. So, the gap from fourth to eighth in this division is eleven points. The gap from fourth to eighth. In the Atlantic Division, <laughs> which has Detroit in it. So, uh, I mean, even if you want to go fourth to seventh or fourth to sixth, it's still it's still better than that. Um, that gap from, from fourth to eighth in the Atlantic is, what would that be, 30, 37 points between Detroit and Florida. In the Pacific Division, it is 16 points. And in the uh, Central Division, it is... Well, it's only seven points, so that that's a pretty tight division as well, but kind of tightly mediocre as you go pat out of the playoff spot there. This <laughs> this division is crazy. I mean, all these teams are, are fighting for it. New Jersey is uh, kind of coming together with that confidence of a team that doesn't need to play for the playoffs anymore. Uh, you see it all, every year, right? There's always a spoiler after the trade deadline that knows they don't really have playoffs left to play for, but they're playing for their pride. They're playing for their roster spot. And they kind of come together as a team and, and do good things. I think you've seen Arizona do that recently um, and a myriad of others. But Detroit, hopefully, you hope that's a win on Tuesday. Um, I hope Thursday we're talking about a, a win against the Detroit Red Wings and even better playoff position for the Hurricanes. Uh, but then New Jersey comes to town, and that's going to be a tough one because they're playing pretty well right now. They seem to have it figured out. And anyone in your division is always going to be tough. The Hurricanes haven't done well with New Jersey this year, so... We'll see if they can pull that off. I've talked for long enough. My voice is giving out anyway. Go follow at SSKane's podcast on Twitter. Go follow at HockeyPodNet 
on Twitter. Check out some contests and giveaways that they've got going on. Um, subscribe to the feed, Siren Sounder, a Kane's podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all that. Rate and review it while you're there. Thank you for listening. I'll be back on Monday. Have a good week. Sorry, Thursday, not Monday. Have a good week regardless. <laughs>